Get your Bible out and, and go to the book of John chapter 3. Are y'all ready? I'm preaching a sermon today called Because of Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement starting off, and I want y'all to hear my heart. I have a great concern about this nation. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you? Do you really? Things have changed a lot. Many of you know this. Our nation as a whole is not headed in the right direction. I'm going to ask you one more question. Are you content the way the church in America is going? No, No, I'm not either. I'm going to do something very soon. I'm going to ask these young people if they'd come to my house, Paul and Nikki and and Ocell and uh, Maybell and I remember your names. I got I to gotta make sure I don't say it wrong. I'd love to gather them in the living room and ask them to give me their opinion on how to help teenagers, how to help youth, how to minister to young people today. We're losing a generation, guys. We're losing a nation if we don't get serious about what we're doing. And um, I want to preach a sermon today on, um, on what, is, what really is a Christian. And I, and I want you to begin to really think seriously about this. And I know that most of the people in this room are born again. I know that. Most of you are. But I'm starting to go out more and get involved with a lot more people. I'm starting to hear things and see things where I know for a fact that there are people who are convinced they're Christians and they're not. They're not, they're not saved. They're not ready to die. I'm also concerned about the church because there are people who sit in church on Sunday morning and they're not ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say something else to you without you being judgmental of me. Easiest thing in the world is after you've been saved for years and years and years is to cool off. It is. It's not, it's easy to do because the paycheck's there. You know, when you got church, we come, we sing two hymns, two hers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Take up the offering. And you could coast if you wanted to. But I'm not ready to coast. I'm starting to work on me more than I am you by, by reading and studying and making sure that I'm doing all that God wants me to do. And so I want to talk today about what really is a Christian and I'm, and I'm going to focus a sum on the people that are not in this building because we meet them every day. I want you to think about this because we don't think about it. You get up tomorrow and you go to work. You get up wherever you go. There's a real good chance that probably between 50 at the lowest and 75% of the people you meet will go to hell. That's, that's not something, that's not light. Let's, we, we, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I don't want you to go out of here and get a sign, turn or burn and stand on the corner. Because you have become a prophet of 
Turn to God. Not interested in that. But I do want you to start thinking seriously about the time we're living in. First of all, how you're doing and how your family's doing and not take this whole serious, this whole thing in America lightly. John, if you ever wanted to learn one, one chapter in your Bible by heart, it would be John 3. I have taken these scriptures here and led hundreds, maybe, maybe as many as a thousand people to Jesus with this chapter. It's probably the most powerful chapter in the Bible on the new birth and on what a Christian is. So I'm going to start and I'm going to begin reading it. I'm, and I, I'm not sure where we're going to go because, and forgive me if, if I get off my notes because I'm just going to be led by God. Father, lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night and he said, Rabbi, you know, we know you are a teacher from God. No one can do the signs you're doing unless God's with him. So we, we know that. So he, I'm coming to you at night because I don't want anybody to know I'm here. And Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. He starts off with this Pharisee because I want y'all to understand that in the world we live in, the vast majority of people believe they're saved by keeping the law. I'm going to say that again. I want y'all to hear this. The vast majority of people that you meet every day when you talk to them and you say, are you a Christian? They will tell you, I'm a good person. All right. Now that's deadly. But it's very deadly. And I'm going to give you the definition of what they mean by that. And I'm not saying that they're trying their best to be rebellious, but they are. What is a good person? It means I never steal, at least not big items. It's maybe the IRS, maybe an ink pen, maybe time. I don't lie, at least only white ones. I'm not sure what black one is. I don't think that's racial, but I just think for whatever reason, that's the way it's said. I don't commit adultery, at least not with a neighbor. Maybe on the internet, yes. Maybe in my mind, yes, but not with, but not with a woman or the man next door. I've never slaughtered anybody, murdered anybody. I slander, but I don't murder. So basically, uh, you know, I, I, I don't commit adultery. I don't rob banks, and I haven't slaughtered anybody, so I'm a pretty good person. And that's, that, that around America is the standard. Now, I'm going to tell you how bad it is, and, and I want you to understand that my sermon today, you may not jump and holler and scream because, because my heart is a little tiny bit heavy. It, re, it, really, it really is. Watching America, I'm becoming very concerned over people. I'm going to say something else, and I don't want you kids to get mad at me. I'm, I'm greatly concerned over youth. I, I am bothered by the fact that you guys turn of age, and we never see you again. Because you think you're a Christian because you go to church. You're not. There's a whole lot more to this than a prayer that you prayed and you pushed a button and you pulled a lever. So, so my heart's a little tiny bit heavy when I start thinking about the condition that the nation is in. And I'm, I ask people all the time, you know, and I talk to them about God and they go, well, I'm, well, I'm a good person. Well, no, you're not. Jesus said, you must be born again. 
Now, what that means is, and I'm, and I'm going to go fast. I'm not even going to put the scriptures up. We know this. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus made a statement. He says, the law was given to you so that you would know right from wrong. We, we don't preach right and wrong anymore. We don't preach law anymore because the people in church will not tolerate it. I'm going to say something to y'all. I want y'all to understand something. The more we preach live right, the more we preach personal responsibility, the thinner the crowds get. I'm determined to preach it anyway. All right, now let's talk about, let's talk about what the law is for. Why, why do we even have law? Do any of you ladies have any lipstick in your purse, especially if it's red? Something really bright. I need something really, really Puerto Rican. <laughs> Look at that. I'm not going to kiss you. All right. I'm going gonna, gonna to do an illustration here. And, and I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer, Nikki. Oh, Ocel, raise his hand. Come on, Ocel. All right. I'm not putting it on your lips. Just stand right here for a minute. We're going to make a nice, how's that? Can y'all, y'all see that? Yes. All right. Take this back over and give it to her. All right. Don't go anywhere else, though. I'm going to pretend for a minute. We're going we're gonna to do pretend. See, so y'all pretend like you're in children's church. I heard last week that there is a deadly disease called the Goombi Goombi disease. It is a disease that came out of Africa and it's spreading through America and and, and people have it everywhere. And once you get it, you got 24 hours, you're going to drop dead. But I have a pill. It costs a hundred bucks. And if you'll buy this pill and take the pill, you will not die. Goomby, goomby. Now, now the reason I'm saying that is we are preaching an answer to a problem that people think they don't have. Y'all are so exciting to preach to. <laughs> We're coming along saying there's a sin issue and people are going, well, I don't have it. So the Goomby Goomby disease, here's how you know it. When you have 24 hours left, a red dot appears on your forehead. And you know in 24 hours you will drop stone cold dead. Now this man could walk around like this and never know he had a red dot. And people would walk up and say, you, I have a pill that will cure Goomby Goomby disease. And he looks at me and he goes... I, listen, listen, pastor, I appreciate it, but I don't, I don't have an extra hundred dollars to give you right now. As a matter of fact, I really don't have a lot of money anyway. I just spent all of my money last night going out to eat with my friends and going out and having a party. And so I'm really broke. And I go, well, you got 24 hours. You're going to drop stone cold dead. And he goes, well, you know what? Maybe if I do, but I don't really think I have this disease. And I say, well, someone give me a mirror. And I pull the mirror out and I let him see it. And he goes, my God, mama, I need a hundred bucks. <laughs> Do y'all see the analogy where I'm going with this? I'm not, I, we, we, you can sit down and you can clean yourself up later. In America today, if we no longer have the right to show you what the law says, you'll think you're fine and you're not. We've stopped preaching it. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's two ways to grow a church. Stay off the subjects or preach right. Let the people draw nigh to God and let the Holy Ghost build the church. I'm for the latter. But I got to get y'all on fire for God. We're going to work on that soon. I won't tell you when because I want you to come back. If I tell you when, you'll go, I'm not coming to church that Sunday. Are y'all okay? The America today does not know they're in sin and headed to hell. Now, let me ask you a question. And I, and I did this one year and I should have done it this morning, but I think you can, I think you can understand my analogy if I'll just give it to you. But do you, do you guys know what a ticker tape is? You know, the, the little uh, calculators has the little white roll of tape inside of it and you're calculating and it's spinning and you pull it out and tear it off and hand it to the IRS and tell them you're fine. Okay. Let's pretend for a moment that I took that white tape and I, and I taped it to that door right there. And I took it across this church, out that door, handed it to Josh and said, take this to Cocoa Beach. Put it on a ship and take it to, to Europe. Take it from Europe across Russia and take it all up past Siberia and all past Asia and wrap it around the church about a, around the world about 100,000 times. That is eternity. That's how long you're going to be somewhere. Your life on this earth, let's say we take that ticker, ticker tape and we, we, we make about a 12-inch slot. That's your life. Now think about this. I'm, I'm going to say something. I want you to hear me. You spent 12 years at a minimum and some of you 18 to 20 years in school to prepare for 80. And the average Christian has never spent one hour thinking about eternity. As a matter of fact, and I'm not pointing at y'all, you guys are better educated than most people I know, Bible-wise. Average Christian in America cannot open a Bible and show you how they're getting to heaven or why they should go. They have no idea. Other than somebody preached it and my pastor said and I prayed a prayer. That's as much knowledge as you have over something that you're going to be doing forever. Here's my thing. Wouldn't you think it would be important that you spent more than at least one hour on that subject? I mean, you spent four years in college and then you got out and went in another field. Well, I'd you don't know how many people go to college because mama said yeah. or daddy. Yeah. And you went in the field and when you came out, you, you. Yeah. my brother, Ronnie, was in real estate while he was going to the University of Georgia. When he graduated, he went to work for Walmart buying land undercover because you can't come into a town and say, this is Walmart because everybody's going to jack the price of the land up. Mm -hmm. it, you have to say, I'm from blah, blah, blah. So that when they buy it, nobody knows it was Walmart. All right, so that's what he did. He stayed in the field that he was in when he went to school. Because that's what he knew. Okay, never mind. I knew y'all would enjoy all that. 
In other words, there's nothing wrong with trade schools. I'm going to brag on Jordan a minute. He didn't go to college, and right now he's making around three, 4000 a week. Driving a truck. Flip-flop wearing, tank top, short wearing, Florida boy, without a cowboy hat, driving a truck. Never mind. Lisa's been begging him, get home. Anyway, let's go, back to, let's go back to this. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? Well, it says in the book of Ephesians that you're dead in trespasses and sins. If, you're, if you do not know Jesus, you are dead in sin. That's pretty permanent piece of stupid. That's pretty bad. For people who are dead and don't even know they're dead and don't even care that they're dead, and then you die, then what do you do when you find out you're wrong? Nothing. Are y'all out there? That's pretty, that, that's a pretty serious conversation right here. Because the average person I talk to about the Lord, they don't want to talk about the Lord. Okay, let's move on. Let's go down. To verse 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So herein is what I'm going to consider one of the biggest problems that we have in Christianity. We read God loves us, but what does that mean, God loves us? Let's go back again and talk about the way people think about the cross. You have seen Jesus on the little crosses around people's neck, he's laying, he's got a little loincloth around him, he's hanging on a cross. So this is the way we think. Jesus went to the garden and he said, God, I don't want him to put nails in my hands. But if I have to, I'll let him. So with all the pain that he could handle, they drove nails in his hand, hung him up on a cross. He, he cried, he died, he went down into hell, had a party down there with Moses and, and everybody else. And then he turned around and came back and said, I rose from the dead and tell everybody if they believe in me, they'll be saved. That is really not so. Well, let's go back in the Bible and see what happened. Y'all ready for this? So go to Isaiah 52 with me. How much does he love you? Because it is gonna be that love that's gonna be the motivator for you being saved. Do you understand that? How much does God really love me? Let's start with verse uh, Isaiah 52, 13. My servant will deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Now, what's his name that wrote the, did the movie, Mel, Mel Gibson? He did the best he could, but I'm telling you, he did not do what the Bible says. There is a man, I was listening to a sermon the other day, and he had a vision of Jesus. God took him and showed him Jesus on the cross. And he said, in the vision, he said, God, I don't, what am I looking at? He said, that's Jesus. He said, no, sir. 
He said, it was a glob. It was a glob. So I want you to think about this. Your sin was a big deal to God. God didn't send. He didn't, he paid a, he paid a high price for you. So much so that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, the Bible says that him who knew no sin became sin. You understand God didn't, the stripes was not the, he didn't get spanked for the sins. He became it. He took in his spirit, man, your sin nature and the sin of the world. So much so that it deformed him to the point that nobody could tell that the guy on the cross was even a man. They beat him. They tore into his back. They beat his head. They whipped him. And then sin hit him. And then it says it turned dark. And God the Father turned his back on him and poured out his wrath on him. That's what he didn't want to go through. But if that wasn't enough, Psalm 88 tells the rest of the story. And I don't have time to go in that. I got all my notes in there. I was going to show you this. And I thought, forget it. I'm just going to preach it. Jesus went down into the region of the dam, which means that he went into hell. In Acts chapter 2 or 3, Peter's preaching. He says, thou shalt not leave my soul in hell. The Bible talks about Jesus being the firstborn from the dead. He says, he said, if you want a sign, I'll give you the sign of Jonah the prophet. Jonah didn't, didn't die in a fish. He went in the fish. And in, and in the book of Jonah, it says that Jonah went down into the bars and the mountains. And there's no mountains in a fish. Jonah left his body. You know, if you're in a fish, you're going to drowned. Come on, guys. He didn't sit in there with a candle. I know they showed that on the little cartoon, but that's not so. He went in that fish and he died and his spirit man left him. And, and, and yet he went into the region of the damned. He went into hell. Jesus said, that'll be a sign unto you as the prophet Jonah. So when Jesus left, he went into hell. Now, then the same man had another vision of Jesus down in hell because he was talking to him about how much he loved him. And he saw Jesus laying in hell and waves of terror rolling over his body and worms were eating his eyes out of the sockets of his heads. The Bible says there's a worm in hell that will not die and it, and it eats your flesh for eternity. There was a man one time that got in a car accident and, and they bandaged up his leg and he kept saying, my leg is in pain. It's in pain. I can't stand it. It's in pain. And the doctors gave him morphine. They gave him all. And they said, it's not going away. It's, I can't stand the pain. And they took the cast off and they found that his knee was being eaten by maggots. I want you to imagine your insides and all of you being eaten by maggots forever. What did Jesus do? That is what he paid for your salvation. Do you think that God would pay that if you were good enough and he didn't need to do that for you? You and I must come to grips with what our salvation cost God. For God so loved me. I wake up in the morning and I go, Jesus... I don't know what you went through, but thank you. I don't want to go to hell, but thank you. And then I did something else to return the favor. I gave him my life. 
Is that asking too much? Or is, do y'all understand what I'm talking about now? Is that thanks? God, thank you for dying for me and thank you that I'm not going to hell, but please leave me alone. I'll live any way I want to live and do what I want to do. Is that a thank you? I don't think so. Go back over to John 3. I'm going to show you something. I'm, I'm saying this because I'm watching America. I'm watching the church. I'm trying to preach a happy sermon and I'm a little bugged. Is that okay? I think sometimes it's okay to be a little bothered by stuff. And I'm more than a little bothered. Everywhere I go, I'm conscious of everyone I'm around. They're not going to heaven. They're going to this place. And I pray, God, help me. I preach on Sunday morning. I come in here. I preach my heart out. And I'll say something, and I don't mean to be rude. And most of you couldn't tell me what I preached Monday morning. It's not good, guys. This whole thing we're calling Christianity, and I realize you may be born again, but you got people watching you. I mean, you may not be able to fix the world, but I think maybe we can start with just us. I want to read this out of John 3. Is that okay? Because I, I don't ever want you to walk out and go, well, that was a hell of a sermon. I don't want you to do that. I want you to love coming to church, but I also don't want to be deceitful. That's wrong, guys. It's wrong. I don't want to deceive you. John for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everyone lives forever. Somewhere. Everyone's going to live forever somewhere. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. The world through him might be saved. Why would he send him to condemn him? Everybody was already lost in sin. Do you all understand that? I'm gonna, don't go over here. I'm going to read something to you. I just want you to li- just let me go for a minute. And if it don't pop on the overhead then you should have brought a Bible. Okay. This is our job. If any man's in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything's new. All of this is of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Not imputing their trespasses to them. He's not judging us right now, guys. All of the condemnation went on Jesus. All condemnation. But if you say no to Jesus, you get to stand before God one day and you get to pay. If you say, God, I don't need Jesus. You are going to stand before God and you are going to, he's going to say, well, hold on. You say, I didn't know. Did you not know? No, let's stop for a minute. How many of you have ever said to another person, you lied to me. Have you lied? Then you've done what they did. But you know that what they did is wrong, but you did it too. So you condemn, you condemned yourself. There's a record of that in heaven. That you know lying's wrong because you've done it. 
How many of you have ever hollered at someone and said, don't do that, that's stealing, you stole from me. But yet you've taken things that weren't yours and you know, even if it was an ink pen and you walked out of the store. Now I know people do this all the time, that you, you walk out of the store and they didn't charge you for something and you said, thank you for the blessings of Abraham. <laughs> that's not the blessing of Abraham, you just stole it. Lisa, I got a watch for Che one year, and um, a beautiful watch, and I went to K Jewelers and bought this watch, and, um, and she lost it for a while. She lost it, and there's a warranty on the watch even if you lose it because the clasp opened up and it fell off, and she said, Dad, I don't know what happened to my watch. It just fell off my arm, and I said, well, I went back to K Jewelers, and I, and I filled out a report, and they gave me another one. I took it and gave it to Che, and she said, Dad, you didn't have to do that. I said, well, baby... You know, I paid a lot of money for this watch. You buy a watch at a jewelry store, you pay a lot more than you do at Walmart. But then about a month later, Che calls me and goes, uh, I found my watch. I said, okay, give me the other one. Put it back in the box. And I took it back to K Jewelers. And the lady said, why'd you bring it back? And I said, baby, I ain't going to hell for a watch. <laughs> Have you ever heard of stealing? She looks at me like, yeah. I said, well, I don't steal. And I don't lie. We found the other watch. Here's yours. Well, you didn't have to do it. I said, I, yeah, I did. Yes, I did. It's not the blessing of Abraham. Not the blessing of Abraham. And they said, we've never had anybody do that. And I said, well, you did today. Because we just don't, we just don't think like that anymore. But now the moment you hollered at someone and said, don't steal, you, you just judged yourself because we've all, come on, don't shout me down. Don't make me come back there and slap you. We've all taken things and walked out and went, oh, I'm not going back. Or you just took it. And I'm not even going to ask you what you did. Even if you stole it from the cookie jar, you still stole John 3, let's finish reading this. He who believes in, all right, look at this, 17. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. The world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not damned. Say, thank you, Jesus, because he took it. But he who does not believe is damned when? Already. You don't have a judgment day coming if you're not a Christian. You've had it. You're damned now. You are damned. Now, now, I'm going to make another statement to you right now, and I want you to think, because I'm, 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 I'm hot and heavy, just let me be hot for a little while. Because I got, we got to burn some stuff up. Everywhere I go today, people are making excuses for their life. I mean, everybody. It's not my fault. In the garden, Adam said, God, God approached him. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's behind the fig tree. Adam, where are you? Understand, God knew where he was. Adam wasn't lost. Adam was the one who didn't know where he was. God knew where he was. Adam, where are you? He says, oh, we're over here hiding. He said, why did you eat of the tree? He said, the woman you gave me. All right, I'm going to make a statement to you all, and this may upset you. Blaming God is a major Christian doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not our fault. 
God did it. God did this. All right, now I'm not going to name names, and I hope my daughter Che don't get mad at me. <laughs> che has a wonderful friend. I had lunch with her the other day. And you can give her the CD and tell her that my dad mentioned you, but he didn't mention your name. We got on the subject of homosexuality. She said, well, I hate to differ with you, but homosexuality is a chemical imbalance. <laughs> well, let me make a statement to you. If it's a chemical imbalance, you're not responsible. And God's going to send you to hell for a chemical imbalance. Is it a choice? You better believe it's a choice. Here's why. If you look at a person and you tell them it's, it's, it's because of your mama, you can't repent for that. You can't repent if it's not your fault. Adam didn't repent. He blamed God. Everywhere I go, listen to me. Everywhere I go, everybody is blaming someone else for where I am. But nobody's saying, it's me. Nobody is going, it's me. I sinned. I'm wrong. Oh, my God. How can you repent when it isn't your fault? So if you tell someone that, you sealed their soul to hell. Because how can you repent if it's a chemical? I had a chemical imbalance when I was a sinner. Those chemicals are not balancing right now. Some of y'all had a chemical imbalance. Jim, did you ever have a chemical imbalance? Yeah, you and that lady next to y'all, y'all were probably good hippies. Come on, y'all, I'm doing good. Y'all got to help me with this. Y'all got to work with me right now. We're dealing with a nation. We're dealing with a church completely out of order. I want to finish reading this. He who believes in him is not condemned. Who to believes is condemned already because he smokes dope and drinks beer and chases wild women. No, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. This is the damnation. I said damnation because con is the, is the word with. D-E-M-N-A-N is damnation. It means to cast you out of the presence. It means this is, the, this is what causes damnation. So I just use the word damnation because you don't even know what condemnation really means. This is what most people, well, yeah, I just feel condemned. Honey, if I hit you upside the head with a two by four and killed you, then you feel condemned. But you don't feel condemned, you feel convicted. But you want to call it condemnation preaching. This is not condemnation preaching because I ain't sent nobody to hell yet. All right. Let's read the rest of this. This is the damnation. Light came in the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Let me read the rest of it. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Now this is my classic classic. I, 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 someone help me with this because I can't even imagine how someone is this stupid. But the other day when we had a, a prostitute and a homosexual calling Trump immoral. I'm going, somebody 
help me with that one. Did anybody catch that or was I the only one that was going? Y'all didn't even get it, did you? You're calling someone immoral? You are like the doctor of immoral. You can't get more immoral than you. The, the, the pot calling the frying pan black. And this is our nation. This is our country. And this is even, in, this is even getting into the church. Go to Romans chapter 1. I want to show you something. I'm glad y'all are a little bit excited because I'm really doing my job to just make you, I'm trying my best to make you mad, but I'm not doing very good. No, I'm not really. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that, that I'm praying, Nikki, I'm praying diligently for a move of God. Yes. You listen to me, young people. You, it's not enough to sit in church and say, I got my Bible, I read my Bible, I read my Bible. You need, you need to have a, you need to know God. Yes. Amen. Do y'all understand me? This is a whole lot more than just, I got some scriptures. Because if that's all you got, you have a philosophy and you're, you're, you're not going to be able to live on this planet with a philosophy of ministry. Amen. We have to have times when we walk in this church where we come in and, and we're spending time with God. You want to get healed? You're going to have to get to know God. We can't, we cannot give you three scriptures in a poem and push a button and pull a lever and get you a healing. We, you've got to get to know the healer. You've got to walk with the healer. You've got to know the healer. You've got to take this thing and you've got to become this book. You've got to get serious. You, you got married to Jesus. Now, I told the first service this, and I'm not trying to embarrass my baby wife, but I dated her for a year and a half, and I kept my hands off of her, too. I want y'all to know this. I was, we, when, 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 when we got married, she was a virgin. I took showers, cold showers, but she was a virgin. Okay. And we're proud of that. I told her one day, I said, I told her we were dating. I said, one day we're going to be in ministry. And kids are going to come to us and ask us, can this be done? And we have to say yes. Now, don't say I wasn't tempted. She, golly, she was the prettiest girl I ever saw in my entire life. I mean, she made my heart jump all over the place. I had to hold it down. Whoa, dude. She asked me one time, she says, why didn't you cry at my wedding? I says, I was thinking about the honeymoon. You're coming down there, and I'm going, Jamaica, here we come, baby. We are never going to have to mess with your mama again. But I remembered at night I had to get her home by a certain time, and I knew that the day we walked out aisle, I don't have to get you home at no time. <laughs> Greatest day of Jesus' life was the day you walked an aisle. And you, and you made a vow to God. He said, will you take this man to be your Lord and Savior? I will. You changed your name to Christian, and you became his. It's time for us to take the vow you made very serious. You're married to the Lord Jesus Christ.
He has a right what you do and where you're going, how you act. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's, it, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes the Jew first and the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Do they know it? Yes, they do. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. All right, now let's get on another bandwagon. How many people in here, no, don't raise your hand. Good God, don't raise your hand. How many of you are vegan? Good. Do you know what vegan is? It's not about eating vegetables. It's about saving the animals. Baby, cows reproduce. It's a new thought for some of y'all. Where, now I'm, 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 I'm talking about the spirit of the world and it gets in the church. We're going to save the animals. Let me tell you something. In the last days, God's going to pour out his wrath on this earth. And he's going to cook, smoke, and fry every animal on the planet. And, and since the real problem with the overheating is the sun, you're not going to fix it either. Where did we get the idea that every time there's a problem, we're going to play God and we're going to fix the problem? You're not, you, listen, if there's a problem, it's in your bathroom mirror, fix that, save that. Somebody in there, the world, don't worry about the world being saved until you are. And then once you're saved, then you can start helping other people. But don't worry about the dogs and the cats and the chickens. You start getting concerned about your next door neighbor, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your kids. Because if Jesus is not Lord, they're not going to heaven. I mean, I, I, I want you to think, I don't want you to walk around depressed all the time. I don't. But I want you to take a little bit more serious when you wake up tomorrow morning and you walk into your office and you go, three quarters of the people right here are going to burn in hell. And you might want to bow your head and say, Heavenly Father, if there's ever an opportunity for me to share the gospel and be a light in this place right now, I ask you to use me in the name of Jesus. God loves the heathen you work for. I'm going to tell you something he got on to me the other day. I'm going to tell my sins since y'all are Catholics. <laughs> he told me to quit criticizing people, even though they are bad. He said, they're none of your business. I want you to love them. I went, yes, sir, I will do that. I want to tell a story. Y'all okay? Please. When I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was, I was witnessing to a boy and as I'm witnessing to him, I'm trying to tell him about Jesus. I'm being all nice and kind. And he looked at me and he said, well, I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that Mary was a hooker and Jesus is a bastard. And he fired me up. I, I had a spirit of slap come on me. I want to slap the fire out of you, boy. I did. I walked away. I was angry. I never in my, I've never heard anybody say that. 
And I walked away and I said, God, you know, strike him dead. I was mad. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, that boy is going to spend eternity in hell. Why do you want to make his life miserable? Why don't you let him enjoy his life? I am. You know, we think that sinners are getting away with it. You know, God is just letting them enjoy. He loves them so much. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you. I'm starting to get very conscious everywhere I go, the people I'm around. That God would use me to say something, to minister the word, get a conversation going where we can talk about the Lord. I'm very concerned about this next younger generation because they're sitting in church and they think they're Christians. They, they don't even know where their Bible is. And we're just letting it happen. I'm not going to let it happen anymore. As a matter of fact, with y'all's permission, when I see your kids on the cell phone, Thank you, Mama. I was, I was just going to take it away. I wasn't going to. Now, they, they, they might be on a Bible app. But if I walk up to them and they're not on a Bible app, I'm taking their phone away. I'm fixing to get to be a meaner preacher. I'm just tired. Just get a little overboard here. And when my kids come to Christmas, leave your phones at the door. You sit around my living room on the phone? I don't think so. Where if you want to talk to me, don't text me sitting next to me. Lisa and I went out to Bonefish Grill one night and we we're sitting out there and a man and a woman sitting on a bench texting. I went, that's a date. I look, I said, Are you serious? Put the phone down. Turn to your wife and talk to her. I didn't say it. I didn't have the nerve. I thought they might shoot me or something. Are y'all okay? Father God, thank you for this morning. Out of my heart, and with everything in my heart, I pray over the nation that I live in. I don't know how you would do it, but I pray that Father God, from sea to shining sea, coast to coast, that number one, the churches in America would come back to a very close walk with you. I know there are many of them are saved. I know that. I pray over this younger generation that's coming up that think because they have a Starbucks and a phone, the world's fine. And it's not. A little more to it than that. And I pray over the people that we're meeting every day in life. And I'm not really, I understand in this room right now, probably everybody, maybe most of the people are born again. But the people we're meeting every day are not. And I'm asking you, Father God, to help this church right here to become a light. 
help me to become a light to the world I live in. I pray that I never compromise the Word of God because of, because of somebody in the room. But I pray I don't use this pulpit to beat anybody up either. I ask you to start a move of God in this church. I pray that these young people, starting with Nikki, Paul, Maybell, Shante, Osel, begin a move of God among young people because they can. They can. That would cause other young people to look and say, what is it you have? Yeah, we could coast. While the rest of the world does not know you at all. I pray, Father God, that you'd use this building for people to invite people. And, And at the end of the sermon, they could walk forward and we could lead them into a saving knowledge of Jesus. Because there's a lot of people that don't know him. And Father, I'm not sure how to even finish my sermon or how to finish this prayer. I pray over everybody in this room right now that if someone walked in today and they don't know you, or if they're out of fellowship with you, Father, deal with their heart. You love them far more than we do. You care about them more than we do. And you paid a high price. And I pray they'd walk out today realizing my Father loves me. My Father loves me. He loves me so much. I did not know that. That we would walk out of here with a brand new revelation of a God that cares about us. And I thank you for this church. I give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I thank you guys for coming to this church. I mean, I really do. I know in America today, it's a big deal to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. When I was younger, we had church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And people went. You couldn't go out to eat because there wasn't nothing open except Dairy Queen. Couldn't go to the store, wasn't anything open. Went home on the afternoon and we popped beans on the front porch and sat around and talked. And that was America. We had guns in our pickup trucks. Nobody shot anybody. You got expelled from school for chewing gum and not wearing socks. Other than that, that was about it. Things are different. But it's changed in 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 the church. We stopped having Sunday night, now we just have Sunday morning. Now, if you show up twice a month, you think you've hair-lipped Bear Creek. And you're a great Christian. You're not. God can, God can get you all the money you need in six days. You don't need seven. One of them belongs to him. Why don't you give it back to him? Why don't you show up next Sunday morning because of what he did? Because you didn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of making it. And he still loves you. And if you're out of fellowship today, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give an altar call, Lisa, in a minute. I'm just going to ask you to go home and take seriously. Get your Bible out. Beat the dust off of it. Get to know this guy that loves you. It's time for the church in America to come back to God.